0: Healing into Consciousness Radio reveals a mystic's viewpoint on personal growth and transformation. Albert, a seasoned broadcaster, and Mata, internationally acclaimed master healer, teacher, and multi-award winning author, explore both the dark and light sides of our human nature. They candidly talk about things most people shy away from, discussing our struggles with anger, jealousy, sex, insecurity, self-loathing, and fear of death. They discuss the meaning of awakening and what we need to do to transform our shadow and find the light of our true being. Through her compassionate guidance, Mata answers questions regarding your personal challenges with specific suggestions on how you too can heal into consciousness. And now, here are your hosts, Albert and Mata.
1: Welcome. You're listening to Healing into Consciousness Radio, where from a modern day mystics point of view, we discuss everyday challenges and the practical ways to transform them. We're here to help bring some clarity into this hectic life so you can find the peaceful strength of your inner being. My name is Albert. I am a seeker of truth, and I am joined every week by my co-host, the award-winning and best-selling author of In Search of the Miraculous Healing into Consciousness, Eliza Mata Dalian. Mata is also the creator of the No Yes Active Meditation and the guided meditation Transcending the Fear of Death and the Unknown. And above all, she is a self-realized spiritual guide, internationally acclaimed master healer, who is also the founder of the Lightspeed Dalian Method and whose revolutionary healing modality quickly identifies and miraculously erases old beliefs and imprints from the body's cellular memory. I am also very excited because uh, Mada is currently in the process of publishing Healing into Consciousness with the Dalian Method which in itself will be a revolutionary self-healing system for a new humanity. This book and CD set will offer a master key that people can use on their own to accelerate their healing and transformation. Every week, as you know, on Healing into Consciousness Radio, I am honored to have Mata provide her insightful mystics' point of view on how we can transform our struggles and heal into consciousness. And today, Mata and I are very happy to announce the start of a new eight-week series on the greatest Buddha of this century. We lovingly set the spotlight on one of the best-known and most provocative spiritual teachers of modern times. In fact, Tom Robbins called him the most dangerous man since Jesus Christ. The Dalai Lama himself acknowledged that he was a self-realized master who is working with all possibilities to help humanity overcome a different phase in developing consciousness. Uh, If I continue the name-dropping here, Shirley MacLaine and Marion Williamson, both uh, authoresses, said his books are top-notch, and Tom Cruise, the actor, of course, said he is the only one who can perfectly explain it all. Uh, My favorite quote uh, comes from my 12-year-old's personal favorite, the iconic James Coburn, said his uh, tape discourse lectures and books inspired him and millions of others on the path of self-evolution. The mystic I am speaking of is... Osho, of course, and his name is derived from William James's oceanic, which means uh, dissolving into the ocean. In the Far East, uh, his name meant the blessed one on whom the sky showers flowers. Osho is most known for his revolutionary contribution to the science of inner transformation. He continues to inspire millions of people worldwide in their search to define a new approach to individual spirituality that is self-directed and responsive to the everyday challenges of contemporary life. He created extremely powerful techniques that move us step-by-step through preparations for meditation. And during this new series, which is called Osho, the most rebellious and controversial mystic of all times, will be introducing and discussing some of Osho's latest books and interviewing people who have been with him for a long time and those who have just recently discovered him. And to start it all off, Mata, we will be uh, commenting on your personal Remarkable journey with Osho himself. I really look forward to the next uh, upcoming uh, couple of months. I think it's going to be uh, fantastic. Welcome, Ada.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Wonderful introduction, Albert. (laughs) So I didn't want to interrupt you. You did such a wonderful introduction.
1: Yeah, and like you said, uh, it's uh, well worth it. Well worth it. A lot of people, uh, I mean, here's a guy who really is is hard to uh, categorize, isn't he?
0: Well, any Buddha is hard to categorize, and especially a Buddha of Osho's caliber. And why we call him a Buddha because he truthfully is that next Buddha that is going to or or has set a foundation for a new, um, the new world, the new lifestyle, the new humanity. And many teachers who are teaching today, many of them derive from his discourses, they read his books, and get many deep insights from actually reading Osho before they deliver their own talks and discourses. And I could say with certainty that probably every teacher, without exception, that has some influence or has been influenced in some way or other by this amazing mystic and uh, rebel it's not often that you come across a mystic who is who is also a rebel many times people achieve enlightenment and they have experienced that oneness the truth that everyone talks about but very few and rare rare people mystics are also rebellious and they actually do not spare anything for the sake of truth in other words they don't compromise. There is absolutely no compromise in the delivery of their talks. And Osho is one such mystic, and therefore anything that he has said, that, that he uh, presented, has timelessness to it because it's an absolute truth. Exactly. And uh, I've been very fortunate to have come across also uh, well, I would have to say that not just this lifetime, I did remember one of my past lives as well, where I was with him in Tibet, where we both were actually on the journey, and both being monks in the Tibetan monastery. And I've written about my story in the last chapter of the In Search of the Miraculous, and How I found the discipline at the time very difficult, in that it was quite severe, the weather was severe, and the discipline was very strict. And we had to go through a 21 day fasting, and you know, with just a little bread and uh, water. And I had come to Tibet, to Tibet to learn about dying, because in my previous lifetime, I've been a seeker for many lifetimes. And the life before that, I was a Sufi. And Sufi people, um, for those who know, they celebrate life. They're very life-affirmative, and they like dance and music, which is very different from how the journey is in a Tibetan monastery. So I, in a way, gave up, and at that time I committed suicide because I couldn't handle that harsh environment. And I remembered after I left my body, seeing the, the monks had all gathered around the Rinpoche and the uh, teacher, they called him Rinpoche, addressing Osho and telling him, make sure to bring this monk back into the fold. And in a way, this lifetime, this is exactly what happened. I I ended up finding Osho, or maybe he found me in a sense, because I wasn't really looking for any master. I wasn't looking for any guide or a guru. And uh, so the the circumstances were such that uh, he he just um, fell into my lap through a friend who introduced one of his books to me, and the rest was uh, history, as they say. And, of course, there's so much that I can talk and discuss about him. And uh, this is just to, to show the greatness of, the, of this person and how also our journey unfolds step by step. Even though we don't quite know things that um, what are expected, uh, in a way there's a greater wisdom that makes everything happen.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, because uh, you're referencing uh, a lot of the stuff which you actually talk about in your book, In Search of the Miraculous Healing into Consciousness, and I was going to ask uh, you in the second break, as we continue with this Osho series, how Osho himself gave you a second chance at awakening and um I know you jumped a couple of lifetimes there from the past uh, with your experiences in Tibet to today with your experiences living with with Osho. And I want to ask you, when we continue with Healing into Consciousness Radio, the things that you would like to share of your path uh, with Osho that would encourage other people to delve deeper into themselves and examine their own life's path. Uh, as well as uh, for those that were feeling empty and unfulfilled, how did the message of Osho affect you personally? So I want to cover that as well as if we have a chance to to look at uh, Osho's book, Being in Love, which is available at Amazon.com which is also the available uh, place where people can pick up in search of the miraculous Healing into Consciousness, which is, of course, uh, Mata's uh, bestseller and award-winning book. We will continue with Healing into Consciousness Radio with Albert and Mata. And don't forget, just before I go, uh, com is the website for Mata. And you can like us on Facebook at Healing into Consciousness Radio. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Healing into Consciousness Radio with Albert Anmata and our eight-part series, Day One of Osho, whose teachings really defy any kind of a categorization. They cover everything from the individual quest for meaning to the most urgent social and political issues facing society today. And this is really interesting. His books are not written, but are transcribed from audio and video recordings of extemporaneous talks given to international audiences over a period of 35 years. And you say it so well, Mata. You say it so well in your book. And and I want to get to that as well as some of these questions. But I think my, my sense is going... Albert, go with uh, this little quote, and and we won't forget about the questions. You said in your book, In Search of the Miraculous Healing in the Consciousness Mata, that uh, reading Osho's books in particular was like drinking from an inexhaustible wellspring with every drop fresh and life quenching. I felt an inexplicable sense of light radiating from his words, They awakened and confirmed what I had known deep inside but had been unable to express through his 7,000 hours of audio and video recordings published as 350 book titles and translated into more than 50 languages. Osho, you say, skillfully and with unparalleled insight brought the fragrance of all the past masters back to life. And you don't stop there. You said at the bottom of the page that Oso spoke about all the eastern and western flowers of human consciousness with such love and depth of understanding that it blew my mind and expanded my consciousness to heights I could not have been able to reach and experience on my own. The education I received from Osho did not exist anywhere else. His insights gave me a greater understanding of spirituality, religion, the world, and myself that no single religious organization or university in the world could ever offer. There was no doubt in my mind that he was not only the intellectual giant of this century, but also a greater master of immense magnitude and compassion. With his curiosity, brilliance... And enlightened genius, he gathered the nectar of all the greatest spiritual teachers and minds this world has ever produced and lovingly offered it to the rising tide of the Novo Homo and the generations to come. Those were your words from In Search of the Miraculous Healing into Consciousness, Mata, and is there anything Absolutely.
0: more you'd like to say? <laughs> Oh, well, there's so much to, to say. Being with, uh, with a person of Osho's caliber, it's a very rare occurrence. And unfortunately, it's only a handful of people that recognize someone like him when they're alive. And of course, only after their death is how people start uh, Blowing in that they might have missed an opportunity. And of course somebody like Osho is timeless and and like he said that he, doesn't, he he hasn't gone anywhere. He's still here. He's everywhere and whoever's in need will have that assistance. And of course he's not the only one who said that. Every awakened master, Jesus, Buddha, they've all pointed to the same thing, that their awareness, their consciousness is everywhere and they're available to anyone who would ask and that's precisely what jesus meant when he said ask and you shall receive so with that i can share some of my my personal experiences and it's all about actually for people to understand that osha was doing what he was doing and what he was doing was sharing his light and his gifts with the world and his compassion and his love and his desire to help people. However, it was, in my case and everybody else's case, it was my own intelligence that recognized such a rare opportunity to be with an enlightened mystic and, at the same time, to take responsibility for doing my own work. Because this is where many people miss they think if they're with with an enlightened being they don't need to do anything and this person would do everything for me but that's very far from the truth a person like Osho sets a foundation it sets he sets the environment he creates the buddha field but still each person is responsible to look inside and Find that light that he's pointing to. Like he said, I point to the moon, but don't bite on my finger. Look at the moon.
1: Uh, I love what he also said, and I quote, The whole secret is within you, but you are looking the wrong way, which is outside in... Uh, brackets. Trying to know me, he said, means you are still looking outside. Please close your eyes and look inside. Your whole energy has to settle within yourself in your very center. In that way, in that very settlement, arises the knowing, the light, the flame. That was Osho.
0: Beautiful. And that's precisely what makes him so powerful and so timeless. Is because he points you back to yourself. He He does not say that I will come and save you. He points you back to yourself because nobody can interfere in anyone's journey. This is how existence is set up. We're all free. We have that inbuilt freedom within us that... Nobody can interfere with our journey. It's ultimately each person's choice and therefore becomes each person's responsibility to look inside and to find the truth that a mystic is pointing to.
1: Mm -hmm. The truth that transcends all ideologies and surpasses life and death.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, the only thing I can say that we need to become a little bit more intelligent as humanity, so that we start recognizing these people, and instead of crucifying them, recognize the opportunities that they're bringing us, and not miss that energy field that they're creating, because it's difficult to be on the journey on your own.
1: Mm.
0: Its its mind is very tricky, the ego is very tricky, and to come out of the maze of the mind and the ego is very, very difficult, and that 's why being being alone on the journey is very extremely difficult when you see other people on the same path and you know meditating so that inspires you to take the courage to start looking in yourself and when people are being honest with you because on the spiritual journey, honesty is absolutely essential. Without honesty, it's impossible to find the truth. And honesty means you need to be honestly, be willing and able to look into your, your ego, recognize your ego and recognize how you hold on to it and you have to understand that if you want to find your being and your truth you need to actually let go of that ego let go of your desires let go of your jealousies and let go of your competitiveness so those things are difficult for people to go through however to own to own those things is part of that spiritual journey that is absolutely necessary because if if we only talk about stillness and silence which is the the end result the outcome of of you being within your being and finding that inner peace on the journey to coming there there's so many pitfalls and there's so so much darkness of the uh, unconsciousness that you have to go through. And and if we don't go through that darkness, it's always going to pull us back down. Even, even if we have glimpses of that silence, we're not going to be able to deepen that silence and stillness within us because the unconsciousness is a lot more heavier than mm. the little light that starts burning within.
1: Right. So, I, I wanted to know, Mara, though, about your personal... Feelings and, and your personal journey with Osho. How specifically? How did the message of Osho affect you personally? What was it in your wisdom that recognized, hey, this guy's onto something, and I, I need to I, I need to really listen to him. I need to follow him, follow his way.
0: Well, my experience with with uh, Osho was first of all you know, it was through through his book. The first introduction was through the book. And when I read his book, and it was given to me by a friend who was actually a Second World War survivor. And so she's gone through a lot of you know life experiences and when she found Osho she was she was ecstatic she almost felt like you know she had she had found some precious jewel that that suddenly her being started feeling more joy within and so she shared uh, his books with me and when i read the book something resonated very deep down it's almost like he was speaking he was putting words into what i already felt and knew inside but couldn't even Find the words or didn't even know that, you know, that's the truth that I can elaborate. I was, I, I, somewhere it's like we know something intuitively, but we can't really put the words to it. And reading Osho is like he speaks to you as though you are speaking. Suddenly you're discovering yourself. By, through reading his books, you start discovering yourself and you start discovering your own inner wisdom.
1: You're listening to Healing into Consciousness Radio with Albert and Mata, a modern-day mystic. Her website is madadalion.com. When we come back on the show, we'll talk more with Mata and her personal journey with the greatest Buddha of this century, and maybe ask Mata what her level of consciousness was when she participated in the days living during that amazing Buddha field that Osho had created, when we continue here on Healing Into Consciousness Radio. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning us in. This is Healing Into Consciousness Radio with Albert and Mata. We are in conversation with a modern-day mystic who, in herself, is talking about the greatest mystic of modern times, Osho, and Mata, you had discovered Osho through his books like many other people, and I guess the next question would be, what happened next? <laughs>
0: well, the next the next thing was, uh, of course, his meditations. I was invited to participate in uh, some of his active meditations, and I started with the Kundalini, which I totally loved, and right away experienced Energy, suddenly, I felt energy moving through my body, which I wasn't really aware of before and after during the meditation, there's a period where you have the silent sitting. of course, it's an active meditation, there's dancing and the shaking, and then the sitting section of the meditation, where I suddenly experienced this bliss that I've never experienced in my life up to that point. And it felt like everything melted away, and, and suddenly the guy opened inside me. And, of course, I was very interested. I wanted to explore more about his meditations. And then I did this meditation called Nada Brahma, which was, again, very beautiful and very expansive. I started experiencing things that the books couldn't really give me. I was having intellectual understanding through the books, but here, through the meditations, I suddenly started experiencing what I was reading. And then I was pointed to the Osho Dynamic Meditation, which is, I guess, the, the crown of all his meditations. And the first time I did it, I thought, oh, my God, I'm in some kind of a a madhouse. And I was I was really taken aback and was like, what is this? Because everybody's catharting, everybody's yelling and screaming and, you know, jumping and with the sound who. And I felt very strange with that with that uh, environment so i said well i'm going to try and do it one more time and the second time i did it it was it was such an incredible shift within my whole body that happened and i couldn't explain it it was it was as though the energy moved the way it wanted to move and suddenly another depth opened another depth within myself and outside myself so This meditation ultimately was the meditation that eventually allowed me to experience that what we call enlightenment. So I'm so grateful for the Osho Dynamic Meditation where in a way I started with judgment to how crazy and what kind of a crazy meditation is this to a place where my judgment was completely dissolved and not only my judgment was dissolved, my ego was dissolved, everything was dissolved, and where my whole body turned into light and understanding that we are all joy and we're, there, is, there is no I, jumping out of that ego identity. So, But it, before I got there, of course, the step in between was that I was very eager to meet Osho in person. And... At the time, I wasn't able to go to India. He was in India then, and uh, my daughter was very young, and I didn't have the means to go. But I felt that he's going to be coming to North America. And and my my feeling was very strong, and I trusted it. And uh, two years later, he was in America, and I uh, happened to have the opportunity then to go and meet him there. And the first time I met him, Uh, It was during a drive-by when he was, you know, we would line up and he would drive by and greet everyone. And my first mystical, in a way, experience happened when his car drove by when my my eyes were closed. And then I felt very sort of disappointed. I thought, well, it's the first experience with him, meeting him in person is going to be some kind of a magical experience. And in that disappointment, I just lay back on the grass, and I closed my eyes, and suddenly I saw this big ball of light and his face inside it and looking down at me and saying, Don't be so serious. Enjoy. Celebrate. And in that moment, I just cracked up laughing because I could see how serious I was. I could see how my ego was expecting something. So that was sort of the first, you know, gift, from meeting somebody like him in person. And later on, when I met him the next day in the assembly where he came to uh, just sit in a silent meditation and our eyes met, it was, I started crying for no reason at all. I was just crying. I sobbed for two hours that he sat there. And it felt like I have come home. It felt like I've arrived. It, it felt like I don't need to look anywhere else. I felt I've come. I've come to a place where I've been searching for for many lifetimes. And it's an indescribable experience. It's like this is how a mystic gives, gives an experience of the, uh, the, 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 the other world, another dimension that opens up. And that continued for, for three days in a row, just this crying. And it all, almost felt like the crying and, and peeling away all these layers of dust that had accumulated through searching. And what are we all searching? We're searching for that unconditional love. We're searching for that place where we're absolutely accepted because all our wounds are there because we feel we don't belong. We feel that nobody really loves us the way we are, absolutely and unconditionally. And being with a mystic this is what you feel because they have no judgment there's no absolutely no judgment there's no no blame and it's it's a full acceptance and in that acceptance of who you are you suddenly start feeling that all those wounds start healing and and something inside starts shifting so this is the blessing of being with an enlightened mystic and um, unfortunately Many people miss this opportunity because the judgments come in just like my judgments came in through the meditation that the ego makes all sorts of justifications why you should not surrender, why you should not let go and just just be open and available so um and and this is what a Buddha provides. he provides a Buddha field, and so afterwards, of course. Staying there and meditating, and this is where I continued with the dynamic meditation and did many months of it in the mornings and in the evenings with the Kundalini meditation. And this is what opened the door for me to take the risk and say, okay, I feel this environment is supporting me. Now I can take the risk to face my death. And I can take the risk to say, if I'm going to die, so be it. Because what is afraid to die is our ego. And once we take that risk, this is where we receive the gift. Without, without facing and passing through that door of fear, fear of death, it's almost impossible to come to realization that I'm not the ego, I'm not the body, I'm not the mind, I'm not my emotions, and coming to realization finding that truth of your being that is eternal
1: right i love what osho said in his book being in love where he said that man is unique among creatures in his knowledge of death and in his laughter the miracle is that then he can even create out of death something new <laughs> he can die laughing right if anything
0: well, this is exactly so, because he's he's also a person who said to celebrate death, and not only he said it, but he, he modeled it, he showed it, because when he left his body, there was a celebration. And of course, you know, there's a mixture of feelings. You you, you feel sad, you're not going to see him in, in his body any longer, but there's also a knowing that nobody nobody really leaves and knowing that his presence is everywhere so just to celebrate i know my personal experience was of course you know um i knew that i would miss being in his presence listening to his uh, such amazing discourses and you know having such a wonderful time but at the same time i was able to to let go and celebrate his death because the body is like a bondage and him living in his body was like a bondage. And, and you, could, you could see that he's sticking around because he wants to help more people, and, and in the meantime he's suffering in his body. So when we can come to that understanding that sometimes the body is just not necessary to be carried and we can accept and we can let go, then we can celebrate the person's death and allow them to move on instead of, Holding on to them just because we don't, you know, we're going to miss them or we don't want to let go of the memory.
1: So, what do you think his death taught us uh, in the end in, 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 in relation to how Osho lived his life?
0: Well, on his epitaph, he asked to be engraved that he was born in 1931, um, or, or, or rather, it's never born and never died. So, even though the, the years were there, so never born and never died only visited this planet earth between 1931 and
1: 1990 wow very good i love what you said in your book and i quote from in search of the miraculous again and and i want to come back to what osho was advocating and maybe i'll just leave the, i'll just say this quote As Osho spoke on all spiritual paths and masters, you wrote Mara, he emphasized the bringing together of the paths of love, which was outer devotion, and meditation, which is inner discipline. He taught that taking one path would lead to the other and ultimately to self-realization, but living them together would enrich one's life even more teaching that a life of devotion without the awareness and discipline of meditation is shallow, and a life of meditation without the heart of devotion is selfish. And Osho also said you wrote that this new path would lead to the birth of the new man, whom he called Zorba the Buddha. Mm
0: -hmm. And we'll talk about Zorba the Buddha a little bit.
1: Right. We're in conversation with a modern-day mystic. Mada's website is MadaDalian.com We're on Facebook Healing into Consciousness Radio and we'll be right back after this. Just say We're listening to Healing into Consciousness Radio with Albert and Mata, and we're talking about the mystic, the greatest mystic of modern times, Osho, and your relationship with him on on your spiritual path, Mata. I have a question. What would you like to share of your path with Osho that would encourage other people to delve deeper into themselves and examine their own life's path?
0: Well, everybody's path is so different, and we're all, in a way, knowingly or unknowingly, searching for that same truth. We're searching to find our home, our inner home, uh, the outer home. And, of course, being with with a mystic in in a Buddha field that Osho created, which is the Zorba the Buddha Buddha field, in other words, being the Zorba, not denying the Zorba, and being the Buddha at the same time. What, uh, what it allowed me personally to do is, and you have to remember that most people that are drawn to Osho, for some reason they're young. They get drawn to him in their 20s, in their 30s. And when I started on my journey, I was only 20, 25 when I found Osho and uh, continued my journey since then, pretty much everybody in that environment was about my age, maybe just slightly older, slightly younger, but pretty much that's that's the age group that gets, for some reason, attracted to somebody like Osho, even to this day. And what was really beautiful for myself is normally when we're in the, in life, we we look for relationships and we you know try to have some fun here and there. When you're young, you go to clubs and you know try to have somebody you can you can relate to, you can have sex with, and not necessarily that you're serious about relationships you want to explore so this kind of a Buddha field provided the opportunity for all this to happen without you actually looking for it, and not only that, it allowed you to live that that young energy. And to experience and experiment with your body, with your partner, with people that you would feel connected to. And at the same time, stay focused on your inner journey with meditation. And unlike to what people think, most people were in relationships, you know, one-on-one. There wasn't like, you know, you have multiple partners and multiple relationships What happens is that when you meet somebody you're in a relationship with, and then when that dies out, it just dies out, and then you meet somebody else. And, uh, you know, it could last for some years. It could last for some days or weeks. So it's a continual movement of energy. And because of this, what this environment allowed for me personally and for many people that I know – To come to a place not to really take life so seriously or not to really get too identified with the desire of the body, the desire of the sex. Because when you experience it, after a while you say, okay, well, uh, I had this food many times, and I'm not really starving for it. I, I don't really crave for it anymore. And then your craving for meditation and introspection and knowing yourself increases because these outside desires start dropping away. And this is another beautiful thing that happens in the Buddha field that Osho created, that you don't really waste your years in in trying to find the perfect perfect partner because there's really I don't think there's such a thing as a perfect partner the perfect partner that we need to find is within our own selves we need first of all to have a relationship with ourselves if we want to really be in a perfect relationship so this is the part of the Zorba the Buddha living in a community like that 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 I experienced which is not that easily available if you will in the normal you know, in a normal society.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, what I'd like to say is that, of course, you know, these things are, have been important. Especially in, in my life, it's been it's been organically happening, but not without me. I haven't been really wanting, I haven't been really after a relationship. The relationships would happen, but what was really most important for me is the meditation and the focus. To, to find myself, to find my inner being. And the thing is that the magic is that once you do, once you find your own gifts, once you find your own voice, that's where you can really contribute to the world. Otherwise, you don't have anything original or authentic to contribute because you haven't really found it within yourself. You only will be a, an imitator or try to imitate other people if you don't find it within yourself so basically you don't have anything that you can share with the world or contribute to the world if you don't find yourself so therefore meditation needs to be absolutely part of our social lifestyle which mm-hmm. is which is very much missing right now so what i would say if you can create that environment within your own you know space between your friends do so and make sure that meditation is an absolute part of that environment
1: and and that's one of the things that osho really stressed was an, a new technique of meditation that was specifically for the modern man with the busy mind and the old techniques that just didn't work anymore you needed to get busy before you get silent that was that was the the concept wasn't it well
0: uh, getting busy means we, di- we didn't just you know have relationships or and just meditate we also worked so work was our our everyday everybody had their own job to do
1: mara i sense from you that that unlike most people you had the burning desire to know the truth and nothing like a a mundane relationship was going to distract you. I guess on some level you knew that relationships could be distracting, although they were nice in the moment. They were a a distraction from the quest of what, what was the journey of the truth, right?
0: That is true. That is true. Though I enjoyed relationships, they were really secondary to my focus with meditation and of course listening to Osho uh, every morning for two hours and every evening for two hours, and the amazing, amazing talks that that he delivered, as you said, published now in over 350 book titles. Mm -hmm. So, that kind of life has been incredibly rich, it's incredibly undescribable.
1: This was the first of our eight-week series on Osho, the most mysterious and rebellious mystic of all times. And over the upcoming weeks, we'll introduce and discuss some of Osho's latest books and have various guests on the show who personally knew and lived in the experimental meditative international community that uh, you talked about, Mada, and Osho created. We'll also find out about their journey, what brought them to Osho, and how being with this enlightened master helped them grow and transform. We'll discover how their lives have been influenced and changed by this Buddha and how they are living their potential some 20 to 30 years later. To see all our upcoming guests and when they will be on the show, please visit the calendar of events at madadalian.com. If you'd like further information on Osho, you can go directly to his website at osho.com. Next week, we're having as a guest Osho's personal physician John Andrews and we thank you for listening to Healing Into Consciousness Radio